Welcome to this episode of Better with Dr. Erica. I'm so excited about my guest for this episode, Eric Guster. He is an attorney, real estate developer, legal and political analyst, along with being a father and husband. We're having a discussion about community, mentorship, and family. We talk about the value and strategies of mentorship, using your influence for good, investing in your community and paying it forward, along with being present for your family as you build. You don't want to miss a single moment of this episode because the speed round is also epic. Let me give you a hint. It's not so speedy because there is some raw and honest knowledge there. So instead of me telling you more about the episode, let's get to the show so you can hear it for yourself. Let's take it away. Better with Dr. Erica. So welcome. This is your host, Dr. Erica, and you are hanging out with us on Better with Dr. Erica. I'm bringing my over 20 years of experience as a Harvard-trained, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist directly to you on this podcast. And I have something super special for you. I know I say everyone is special. I feel like at times like I'm that little old lady that's like, I love them. They're my favorite. Or my coach, he says everyone's his favorite. So it gets to the point where you're like, Well, if there are 50 people and they're all your favorite, do you really have a favorite? But I have to be honest. I I guess I need another adjective. I have someone great for you. So we won't say special since I say special a lot. He is so dynamic and so super smart. Today we have Eric Guster. He's even cool because we have the same initials, E.G. So, you know, he's the other E.G., He's E.G. the lawyer, I'm E.G. the doctor. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, but then I'm going to let him finish it because as we have discussed, I could read a bio, but it's not sexy. And he can probably tell you more about himself than I can. The first thing to know is that he is brilliant. Now, I don't use that word lightly. He is so brilliant. And what makes him so wonderful is that not only does he have like this genius legal mind, But he has a talent, pretty much a calling of being able to break down issues, be they legal, political, or just community issues into things or into ways that it's so easy to understand. So he makes all of these complicated things feel very practical and manageable. So that's like his superpower, even though later I'll ask him about his superpower. So he'll probably have to come up with a new one because I just said one. (laughs) because that's how I roll. He is not only an attorney, he has a a talent for community building and works with real estate, has done a lot of media work, and is just an all-around change agent. And I pride myself on knowing quite a few change agents and having them here on the show. And part of the reason I do that is so you can see there are so many different ways to impact change. Now, I've been talking for way too long, so it's time for Eric to talk. So, Eric, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself? My name is Eric Guster. I am a lawyer, a real estate developer, 
a dad, a husband, and an all-around pretty cool guy. Erica had it together now. You're right. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty all right. Um, I, I really appreciate the kind words. Uh, being in a position to help my community is very important to me. Being in a position to explain things like you mentioned so that my community community can understand complicated issues in a very simple form. It's, it is a calling for me to explain things even, well, not even, but especially when there are things that people don't want to hear. And that's one of the things in, Bur- I'm based in Birmingham, Alabama. That's one of the things that rallies my community behind me is they know if they come to me, they're going to get the truth and definitely get the truth of something that's bad. And, and, but I enjoy doing that and I enjoy real estate development. I'm a lawyer. I'm a former real estate agent and broker. Then I went to law school and, and then I saw the big crash happen. I always said, oh man, I need to go to law school. This job is not going to work out. And then the crash happened. I, then I started doing real estate development after that. So I met, meshed all of my talents together to where I am right now as a lawyer and a real estate developer. And I know he threw dad in there. Oh my gosh, his daughter's so cute. She's EG, Erin Guster. See, today the whole theme is going to be EG. Too bad I can't make every sentence turn out with EG. Um, But you know what? I'm going to let you get to know him just a little bit more. I have a little little tiny segment of some this or that questions. Are you ready, Eric? I'm always ready. Let's go. I'm, I'm curious to see what you bring to the table with this. All right. So the first one is burger or kale? Burger. All right. If you could see the face he made, he made all of the face. (laughs) Kale is a necessity. Burger is a must. (laughs) (laughs) Now, are you one of those turkey burger people or are you a burger purist and want your burger to have some red meat in it? Oh, burgers come from cows. I'm from Alabama. It needs to (laughs) move, then be on my bun. I am not mad at that. If you ever make it back to Atlanta, I have some really good burger spots. Cool. You know, the ones that like put brie and saute poblanos. I need to Google poblanos. What is that? I'm from Alabama. I don't know what that is. It's a pepper. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. Okay. All right. The next is running or biking. Biking. Okay, I'm cool with Can't that. Can't mess with my knees. Can't mess with my knees. Oh, you know what? I, I, I'm i always in awe of people that do all of this running, but I don't know a single person that runs a lot that has good knees. That's why I don't do it. I, I mess with my knees. I, I walk when I golf. I do walk the course, but I ain't running. <laughs> Not going to happen. Ain't that was- AIN apostrophe T, people. I'm trying to see, I'm laughing at the thought of you running on the golf course. And the other issues, you can't do that because somebody might shoot you thinking you stole something on the golf course. I am in Alabama. And you are black. And black. Yeah, good point. All right. The next one is Marvel or DC? Neither. I'm I'm not, (laughs) I'm I'm not that guy. (laughs) It It is okay. It is okay. That is feasible. See, I, I guess you. There are limits to people's nerd quotients. Th- th- there is. That's that's just not my thing. I, I don't think I've, 
I may have sat through one of Black Black Panther. Who produced that? Which one was that? Marvel. That is Marvel. Marvel, Black Panther. Okay, that's what we're going to go with. <laughs> yeah, uh, Marvel. All yeah. right, now. And then the last one is Mac or PC? Mac. Period. Thank Don't. you. Mac. Thank you. It's nice to have someone on my team. Absolutely. I'm down. Apple yeah. gets all of my dollars. All of mine, too. And they- I know. They program this stuff to shut down and mess up. Oh, man, let me go get this new iPhone. And then you get sucked in with the business, having a business advisor. Then your stuff gets overnighted. (laughs) Yeah, they tell you. They tell you what you need and don't really don't need, but they tell you what you want. And then you end up buying it and just overnight it at your house by 11 o'clock a.m. I know. I know. So I guess it's time for us to get into the meat of the podcast. So the first thing I'd love to talk to you about is I know you talked about starting out in real estate, there being a crash and then getting into the law, but what has inspired you to be so active in the community? There are several things that inspire me to be active in our community. I, I did not grow up with money. My parents did not grow up wealthy. They were middle class. And my dad was definitely a, a saving type of guy. My dad passed away last year, mm. um, actually 14 months ago. And he was a, he was an auditor for Blue Cross and he was a saver. So I did not grow up with money. And I realized over time how our community needed advocates, especially those with means, especially those with access, especially those with power. Because oftentimes people get into powerful positions or have money or have access and don't share it because they're afraid, mm-hmm. oh, man, if I share all my access, then somebody's going to come up and take my spot. Uh, and, and So as I grew and as I gained assets and gained businesses, I never forgot where I came from and the importance of making sure that I bring others with me and create that path for them to come with me. And that's why I really strive to be a great change agent. I don't desire to run for public office. I've been. Oh, man, I can't, I can't wear a Eric Gusta for something shirt. No, no, no. I threatened a few people. Oh, I, man, I, I was ready for the T-shirt. No, no, no T-shirts. But but the interesting thing about my position in Jefferson County, where I'm located, people love me and I can threaten a politician to say, I will run against you if you don't change your ways. And then, well, you know, Gusta might beat me. So let me get in line. And it's a very, it's a decent threat, but it is really for the good of the community to make sure that we hold people accountable in those positions, like I mentioned before. Well, and you bring up such a great point. Um, I'm going to tell on myself quickly. I have a very random combination of things when I watch TV or Netflix what comes up in the what you would like is all over the place because I may be watching anything from Korean (laughs) sci-fi to something with a superhero to just whatever. It's totally random. And recently, and this is going somewhere, I was watching the show Jane the Virgin. And I never, it it sounded intriguing, but there are a couple of reasons why I think I got sucked into it. One is the fact that it's, a little bit more culturally honest that the 
the family continues to speak Spanish, even though this is an American show. So it's interesting because there's actually a lot of subtitles. But it's it's cool because it feels more culturally grounded. The next is I'd never really seen many shows with a cute little Latin baby. And it made me think, it's like, we would say they don't have a lot of black kids and stuff, but it's like, I see black babies. I'm like, I'm trying to think of when's the last time I saw a Latin baby and something other than a Pampers. But the where this really goes is there's this whole dynamic in it around class because one, there's Raphael and his family and they have a lot of money. And then Jane grew up, I won't say totally on the struggle bus, but they, they didn't really have money. And you start here seeing a lot of these dynamics that come up with change of class. And one of the things I love about what you said, I told you this was really going to go somewhere, is that until you shift out of whatever your position is to understand how different realms move, how people in them move, how to use resources. And one of the things I think that happens a lot for our community, especially for people, and I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I grew up middle class. I grew up comfortably middle class is that when you accrue either more status, influence, wealth, or education, if you don't understand how that moves, you can't use it for good. And one of the things I see so often is this culture, especially in the Black community of, we have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and not get any help because we have to be able to say we did this for ourselves and that we earned this ourselves and this is how we got this opportunity when that's not how any of the rest of the world works. <laughs> You're absolutely right. The world does not work that way. And that's why it's important for us to be able to share information and and teach each other different things that we learn along the way because these other cultures, they're sitting at the dinner table with a granddaddy who had five businesses, five multi-million dollar businesses and loaned the grandkid 250 grand to get started. Mm-hmm. And they have this jump, not only money, but the knowledge and the Rolodex to, to get these things done. And, and I totally agree with you. I had a conversation with a civil engineer a couple of days ago about a project. And then we morphed into talking about doing some deals mm-hmm. together. But she was working on a certain type of building that I've been interested in. I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you do this? And so then we just morphed into this, we should do this together. She has civil engineering. I'm a pro at, at land acquisition and really looking forward to doing, not necessarily deals as a partnership, but sharing the information mm-hmm. so everybody can come up. Well, and I, I love that. And I also love that you brought out a point earlier about being intentional about bringing people along with you. Because one thing that happens as we get all of this education and we start meeting new people is one of the biggest things is just access. It's that Rolodex and those people. If if I wasn't a doctor and I didn't go to school where I went to school and I didn't live where I lived, you know, a lot of the guests I have are, are people I know well. Well, I probably wouldn't even know them. Because right. it's a whole different world. And I, I think it's it's wonderful that you're so intentional about sharing knowledge and assisting people with access, because I think that's going to be a huge way how we continue to grow as a community 
by being able to not have all of the resources hoarded by a small group of people. Like when you were talking, it actually originally made me think of the lovely space exploration in air quotes going on right now. Right. I can't call it exploration because they aren't really exploring space. They're just like, let me just go um, basically be up there long enough to say I went. Who can go the furthest? He went these many miles. I'm going that times two. <laughs> Let's do, I'm going that times five. Come on, y'all. And, and I, I think that the difficulty is in this idea of there's so many versions and so many perceptions of what is our responsibility for our fellow man or woman, I'm with Spellman, is, is what is this community responsibility? What is our responsibility to others? Because it's so easy. If everything we had, we never shared any of it, people would have much more. The people that had it would have much more. The people that don't have it wouldn't have Jack. And I think this is starting to bring up a lot of questions and, and discussions around what it means to be someone that is close, quote or unquote, a have, and and what is your responsibility to be of service or charitable, or even be concerned about other people? What are some of your thoughts on that? Um, bringing people along is very important, but you must also vet those people to make sure that when you put your name on them, they're good. Uh, sometimes we bring along the wrong people and that sinks our ship or that tarnishes our name. Or you suggest someone for an internship, they show up two hours late and like, what's the problem? I was only a couple hours late. So we have to make sure that when we bring people along, that we bring the right people, meaning the ones who really want it. Because there's a difference in people who want to go ahead. There's a group who want it just because they think they deserve it mm -hmm. or and the ones who want it and know they have to fight for it and i like to bring along i only bring along those people who know that they have to fight for it because we have to fight for everything that we have and nothing is easy um so that community responsibility is extremely important where i talk to the masses of course but inviting people in my tent they're vetted because I don't naturally trust people and anyone listening to your podcast probably should not naturally trust people, but make sure they're worthy to be in your tent so that once you start sharing information, you're not wasting your time. Well, that makes sense, especially because there is always an element of discernment. And, you know, I think there's kind of a difference between when you have knowledge and access, there are ways you do things that are systemic. Or could be like I, you know, speaking at a church at a health fair, or speaking at a church about voting rights, or something like that, which is different than having a mentee or someone that you are bringing into your organization. Um, but I think one of the things that's so interesting about what you were talking about is it's that discernment. It's, and I think it's one of the things that a lot of people. I think everyone needs to do it, but I think people that are high achieving or on some level really busy start getting really, really good at out of necessity, which is that level of discernment and, and literally 
you're curating all of these different areas of your life. You're curating who is in your space professionally and who is in your space personally and what kind of things even from media are you exposed to because you have to protect your energy along with protecting your your reputation. Yeah, I spoke to a group of lawyers last week and it was a mentee who spoke to me. He asked me about mentors and how would I suggest these lawyers get mentors. And one thing I said was reach out to people and don't waste their time. If you have someone who's going to meet you at nine o'clock, you need to have your tail there at 8.30 waiting on Mm -hmm. them. Never have them waiting on you. Because if a person, if you're reaching out to someone for help, if they have to work to help you, they're not going to help you. If they have to jump far beyond the norm to help you, they're not going to help you. But if you make it easy for them to help you, more than likely, they'll jump at the chance to help you. And it's very important to teach people that and educate them about the things doing. It's left up to that person to do it themselves. So if you're looking for a mentor, reach out to that person and don't waste that person's time and be ready for the type of mentoring that you need. Well, and I think you bring up a huge point when it comes to, number one, you don't want to waste people's time. But I think there's an art to mentorship that in some ways is getting lost with just our overall attitude right now, especially because some of the younger generations, and I'm going to say this, I'm going on record. Eventually, I will also tell you why I think this is a good thing, because it's a double-edged sword. But there are generations behind us that typically are a little bit more entitled, because they believe that because they're here, that they deserve it all, that this is everyone's job to help them and those kinds of things. And I realize we've even had to talk to other people that were trying to be mentors or that were trying to be mentees about the fact that the responsibility for maintaining the relationship is actually with you, not the mentor. Because in general, you're the one receiving the most And it's not their responsibility to chase you down to help you, that you have the highest level of responsibility in maintaining the relationship. But I think what's interesting now is, number one, there's so much stuff out there for free. You know, when we were younger, there was no internet. I'm sorry. I think I just dated you and I dated myself. You ain't date me. Internet was around when I was six. I don't remember the internet. <laughs> no, Are you, you just say it. I'm like, he, 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 I'm like, I think we about to say made. Uh, <laughs> is that these relationships and this human experience were even more valuable because there was nowhere else hardly to get the information unless you just ran across the right business book or something like that, that a lot of the stuff wasn't written down how to negotiate careers and a lot of these skills that you had to be engaged with someone to get the knowledge because it wasn't somewhere. There was no YouTube. There was no Wikipedia. There was no place to Google and just find stuff. There wasn't a clubhouse. These things just didn't exist. You actually had to obtain this information through human relationships. And I think sometimes people get spoiled. They do. And I've had that situation in my office, um, my law office, where I've tried my best to bring people along and bring in the younger generations and things like that. And some people make it difficult. For example, I had a young lady who was consistently late for work and her rationale was, well, it's only five or six minutes, 
but you're late. And she thought it was upon me to make her feel good about her being late. And I had a series of events and I was like, man, this the generations behind us need to understand being timely, being um, respectful of someone's time, showing up to work on time and early. And early is on time and on time is late as I learned and live by. And we have to make sure that we pass those things down so that they really understand it. And much like you said, Dr. Erica, we had to go to like a library and look up stuff and find a book on a shelf and read it instead of lying on your couch or in bed. I want some interview tips. Oh, okay. Let me put this into my phone. Really George mm-hmm. Jetson moment. Put it into my phone, pull up some articles and look at some videos on my phone on how to do better interviews. So it's important to utilize those, those things, but also like you mentioned, get the human interaction piece of it because the practical experience is very valuable as well. And people teaching you about their ropes, their experiences can be very important. And, and I'll be nice. I'm, I'm going to send a shout out and something nice to all the millennials and the people behind the millennials. I'm not going to just talk about the younger people like that. Is do I think the one thing we can take away from them, though, is the generations behind us are fearless. <laughs> they are fearless. They will show up. They will be on IG. They will be everywhere as an expert. They will podcast. They will do whatever and ain't worked a day in their life in that field yet. And I think the interesting thing about it is because we even will see, you know, med students or residents. And the funny thing is we were kind of taught in a culture that you needed all of this experience to do these things. And I think one of the things that's neat about them is the generations behind us don't have all of these mental hoops they feel like they have to go through. They're just fearless and they go for it. And I feel like there's a happy spot probably somewhere in the middle that some of us that are generation X or older um, can learn from them as far as not being so fearful of stepping out of our comfort zone or doing something differently or being in leadership or being a disruptor. And I I have very little fear. Uh, I don't mind risking the whole house now that I have (laughs) a child and another child on the way. I'm I'm much Mm. more careful with certain things, but I do have like investments that I have a pot of money that I can play with and risk, but I'm not risking the whole house Mm. like I have before. And it is a good medium to have where you, don't fear a lot and are going to go for it because the good thing about it, you have time to fix it. Mm-hmm. If you go and fall in your face and I've had some face flops in my career and I, I can list several of them right now, you have time to, to fail and you always, you have time to fail and fix it and do something different. It's kind of like the real estate industry. I was, Going, doing well in real estate. It wasn't a failure, but I was like, man, this thing mm-hmm. is about to crash. People over here getting no money down loans of half million dollars in these great neighborhoods. They don't even have a real job. This place is about to crash. So then I went to law school and I was afraid of law school because you hear about people who went to law mm-hmm. school, never passed a bar, took it 50, 11 times, never passed it. 
So I was afraid of that. I did not even tell my many of my friends I was in law school until I passed the bar. Oh wow! Oh yeah, they were. Like, I, I met him after he had passed the bar. You did. Because uh, I emailed people saying, hey, I'm a lawyer now. I said, what the H you mean you're a lawyer? <laughs> yeah, I went to law school. I just didn't tell you because I was afraid. So that was a scary thing that I jumped into. And I heard that, for example, the legal industry was, had too many lawyers, but it's how you separate yourself from that group. Like you separate yourself from a group where you have a smaller group of experts in your field, but you separate yourself from that small group in the many things that you do. And looking at how people do IG and social media and promotion, they're experts in that. Then their knowledge base will eventually catch up and they're going to blow up. They're going to be everywhere when their knowledge base actually catches up with their social media following and their ability to promote themselves. So it is a happy medium that uh, that everyone can benefit from. Oh, my God, this is a great conversation. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back with more conversation from my amazing guest and yours truly on Better with Dr. Erica. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to What's Up with Dr. Erica. Guess what I did? I got my first massage since the pandemic. And you know I'm a little scary, but I had to finally get over my fears and do it because my chiropractor insisted that I go. And the great thing is afterward, I felt so relaxed. I felt so relaxed. I realized I hadn't been fully relaxed in a year. So you know what? That just encourages me to do a better job of getting relaxed. And I also want to encourage you to keep an eye on how it really feels when you're relaxed. So let's get back to the show. So I know we had, we had mentioned we might actually talk about a current event. And I'm excited because I realize on a lot of my episodes, we talked more about kind of life journeys and, you know, ways people kind of make it through, you know, um, what is it? Is it scratching and surviving good times? What was it? Is it? Is it? Is yeah, that's a good time. It wasn't scratching and surviving. You know, I know. So I was like, I was like, this is a great time because I feel like sometimes right now, it's kind of weird. Our news cycle is really interesting. And one of the things we didn't talk about as much on the outset is that beyond just kind of being another one of the people I know that is just a really great truth teller is that Eric is a bit humble around the amount of media work he had previously done more of before he decided he was going to do some other stuff more. But there are a couple of things, and I, I want to talk about them because I have someone that's great at this. So I was like, let's do that this time. Let's, let's. I hope this is like a Jeopardy game, and I'm going to be put on the spot about something I don't know. Oh, it's something I know you know. Okay, good. I, I know you know, because I think what's interesting right now is that it's been interesting to see how the news cycle has shifted even in the last five to 10 years. And there are so many issues going on that I had plenty to pick from. Um, but it's actually not going to be COVID right now. (laughs) Even though there's plenty to talk about with COVID, and I do feel like there are some particular reasons why it's probably not as high in the news cycle as it probably actually should be. Mm -hmm. But I want to have a moment about all of this drama with voter suppression. (sighs) I'm here for what, what, what? (laughs) What part of the elephant do you want us to eat off of? I knew you'd be ready for this. I am. 
And, and the, the reason I wanted to bring this up is, you know, as we talk about all these different ways to be better, do better and live better and to put you back in your life is one of the hugest things is in this country, there is a significant amount of power for us to be able to assert the will of the people and things that will be able to help everyone is through the power of the vote. And with voter suppression, especially we've been in this period with so much racial injustice, when it's not new racial injustice, it's more racial injustice that's been on the internets, (laughs) because it's always been here, is that after the last election, there just seems to be this renewed vigor behind voter suppression. And one of my interviews is actually with um, Alana Matthews, who's running for DA in Sacramento. But I know we have all these conversations, especially about the importance of local government. But how does it hit for you with the amount of effort people are doing with voter suppression right now? White people are afraid. They are afraid because they know the statistics show that they will be the minority very soon, if they aren't already, really. And people like the great Stacey Abrams. My son and sister. Yes. She, let me back up. The way you know what other people are doing is if you jump into their pool to find out what they're doing. I subscribe to all their websites. I get all their emails, their web. Their website, stopstacy.org and all this, where I get the emails. You got to know what the fools are out here talking about so that you can out outflank them. And there are websites dedicated to stopping quality voter turnouts. There are websites to stop Stacey Abrams, like to stop her. And their fear is the organizers like her who really galvanized the vote and shocked the nation. So they know that, wow, she did, she turned Georgia blue. Man, could they do this anywhere else? So instead of worrying about if they could do it anywhere else, let's change the rules to make it more difficult for them to do it. That is where local elections come to play because the rules are made on the local level. The the probate judges, the local officials, the mayors and legislators and house members of the state level, they're the ones who make the rules. So if you're not putting the right people in there for the vote, then those rules could be shifted to make it difficult for the right elector to actually win an election. And we see that a lot. In Alabama, for example, there are certain counties that they shut down, they require ID to vote, and they shut down the place where you can get your ID. So how the mm-hmm. heck, this is a Christian podcast, I ain't gonna be cussing, how the heck can you get an ID to vote when you have to drive two hours mm-hmm. to go get an ID? You can't drive without an ID because then you get pulled over and get arrested. And it's it's a, they make it a journey to do that. And as we know, people, if people, many people, if they had the option, like, man, do I really want to go out of my way to do this? Uh, it's only one vote. But when you say, ah, it's only one vote, and it's hundreds of people, 
that's how elections are won and lost. And that's just one of the examples of the things they're doing. Just like in Georgia, it's illegal to give food and water mm-hmm. to people in line. They know that the lines in Georgia last election were wrapped around a corner in all day lines. So what are we going to do to discourage these lines? Make sure nobody can give them food and water while in line? If that's not Jim Crow, I don't know what is. But then you go to the wealthy parts of town, the well, not necessarily, the white parts of town. They had the short lines, five minutes in and out, no problem to vote. But then in minority areas, lines wrapped around the corner, you're there till midnight trying to vote. And that's the things that we're fighting against right now. Well, and I think the huge thing about it is that it's all a ripple effect that if if we think about how bad it is with us having this level of representation, what is it going to look like if we have less representation? Because right now, there are at least some people that have enough power to at least be in the room. If we start taking everybody out of the room, it's already obvious they want to erase our part of history and don't care what happens. Is that just the thought of what we could turn into is scary. And part of the reason I want to talk about this is that sometimes people sit up and think, eh, it's not going to affect me. Especially people that currently are financially stable. It's kind of like, well, that's not going to impact me. Or, oh, if if they change the tax laws a little bit, I'll be good because I make money. It's going to be beneficial to me anyway because I'm in that tax bracket. And it's it's just amazing how important it is for for you to be concerned about everybody, not just you personally. Plus, you just never know what's what's going to happen. I mean, either one of us could get shot on the street because we black. Back up. And, and it doesn't take much. And like you said, we have to worry about the community because when we only focus on ourselves and we just let the community, well, it doesn't bother me. It only bothers them. But who's your son, daughter, niece, and nephew going to marry if their prospects are suppressed? <laughs> and can't get the right education or can't get a fair education or can't get their parents can't get fair wages to send them to the summer programs for enrichment to help them get to the next level. It's just micro um, microscopic issues like that, that can impact you if you quote have money Uh, because you have money. You can look at what happened at was it North Carolina where the professor was not tenured. Mm -hmm. She was not tenured knowing she should have gotten tenure without a without an issue that is an example of how it can affect you you can be at the top of the food chain in your corporation well think you're at the top of the food chain and they can just let you go many of these careers that we have are tied to someone else making a decision to keep you or not so although you may fit into a tax bracket unless it is 100% your company they can let you go just because they don't like you anymore in many states. So it's very important for us to care about the masses like ourselves because the masses are the people who push us forward and the masses are the ones who actually come to defend you when you're done wrong. So don't forget about the masses doing that for you as well. 
And on top of that, just the way this country is created, education is the entryway to almost everything. And even if you're an entrepreneur and, and you're one of those people that it's like you're an entrepreneur and you didn't go to college, that there was still some basic education you needed to be able to have the level of executive functioning and to be able to manage money. You needed certain math classes to be able to do that. And a lot of these policies can start impacting people's ability to get quality education not just in college, but when they're younger and what happens when you start having even more people with poor access to education? Well, that's more people that aren't going to be able to make a fair living. Right. And education is not necessarily going to a four-year college and grad school and, and professional school. It's someone who wants to trade and wants to run a business because you need an education. Well, it's better to have an education and how to do that properly so that you can advance at the speed that you could advance with. Um, oftentimes when we're behind the curve and learning these things on the fly, we don't advance as fast because we just don't know how things work. For example, I handle commercial real estate transactions now, I'm involved in them. And it's a very recent learning experience for me. I would have never guessed 12, 10, 12 years ago that I would be in this space where we're talking about these deals I'm involved in, like we're talking about the a, a breakfast menu. It's just what we do every day with my, with my real estate group. And having access to that is based upon the education of people in the group who share it with me, then I can share it with other people. And that's how we trickle that education down to other people because I get calls all the time, not all the time, but pretty regularly about real estate deals that people are trying to do in Birmingham because they see my name in the papers and all that. So they reach out to me and I try to, and I give them the playbook. You buying, you getting involved in a deal is not going to hurt me. The more deals you get, when you get one too big, you may call me and say, hey, Eric, I have this deal. And we have to start thinking about that. Start thinking about collaborating with each other uh, instead of competing with each other and sharing information to keep gaining gaining knowledge and getting the education, whether it's in the book or not. Well, and I love that you're bringing out this point of it's not just an issue of um, support as far as you know what I call the better seven, but the other thing is is just this idea of basic funds of knowledge how you're able to support each other, but also having a longitudinal look of where you're going and, and being able to be collaborative. And then moving into the space where you're looking at the world from a space of an abundance versus scarcity, because unfortunately that's one of the things that makes it difficult sometimes for people to collaborate is this concern that if if I give this knowledge to you or if I help you, it's somehow going to harm me. And that is such a common thing, Dr. Eric. It's so common for people to think, these are my, uh, and I talk about this in my office. It's very interesting. We handle personal injury cases, car wreck cases in central Alabama. And I talk about how people, they'll have, the other folks will have 12 shrimp on their plate. You have two. They say, I don't want you to have, why you got those two shrimp? 
So we don't want to share our shrimp with anyone. We don't want to share the knowledge of how to go get it because we act like they're going to take the shrimp off of our plate. That's not true in most cases. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they will, but in most cases, the person will learn how to shrimp, fish for shrimp, and will teach you a better method. And that is what I found with people I've taught and shared information with. They'll go build their practices and come back to me, the younger generation. Hey, Augusta, you need to get on Facebook. When Facebook will start blowing up, a younger mm-hmm. lawyer told me that. You need to get on Facebook. And I ain't going to get on Facebook. Now I have 30,000 followers. So it's, it's very important to share the information with each other, with the right people, in order to bring each other up. That you made a very, very beneficial point there. Well, and I can honestly say, for someone that was reluctant with Facebook, I've actually seen some of his Facebook lives. And sometimes I'll comment just to see if he can catch my comment because it's so many people. It'll be thousands of people on a Tuesday afternoon listening to what Eric has to say. (laughs) But that goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. My community trusts me. And it's also important when you get that level of trust with people that you watch what you say and do and you vet what you say and do. And when if they if they hear something come out of my mouth, they know it's the truth, even if they don't want to hear it. And if I make a mistake, they know that if I make a mistake, I own it. I say, hey, I said or wrote this. I was wrong. That is how you keep people in your corner especially if you're trying to gain an audience, because if they know you're authentic, they know you're trustworthy, they will listen to you. And if they like you, they'll listen to you. Well, and you brought up a huge point, which is authenticity is almost a superpower when it comes to influence. It is. So many people try to imitate someone else, someone else's style. Like, I'm going to talk like Stephen A. Smith. I look like a fool trying to talk like Stephen A. Smith. So, you have to be your own person and your own style and really who you are because my Facebook live people know I'm educated, but then I'll, I say ain't, I'll say, are you slang a lot? I mean, right time of night, it might cuss a little bit, but they know that I come from a great place and they can trust me and they know I'm a real guy and a real man. And I'm, probably from a community just like theirs and they believe me and that translates quite frankly into business for my law firm and my real estate business mostly my law firm where when people trust me they say you know listen eric guster he makes great Mm -hmm. sense i was in a car wreck i'm going to call this guy so it's kind of a level indirect marketing that i do i'm going to call this guy Mm -hmm. and that's how i get a lot of my cases and even then (laughs) speaking of that being honest People call, oh, man, how much is Kate worth? You you weren't hurt. Probably nothing. Uh, (laughs) And that is a level of being authentic with people when they hire you uh, because they trust you and they trust your judgment. Well, and that's one of the the beautiful things about you, because in this culture, as they say, of giving flowers, well, people are still around, even though as as I keep telling y'all on all these episodes that there's some vernacular that does not sound good when I say it, I'm not convinced that giving flowers sounds good for when I say it, but I'm going to say it, is that I think another something that is great about you is the fact that no matter how much knowledge, property, 
wealth, success that you accrue, you still seem like a regular dude. I am. I am. <laughs> Which just oh, makes you so <laughs> accessible that, you know, it's, it's, there, there are some people as the, as they move, move in that traditional ladder of success. And I'm going to say traditional ladder of success, because I do believe there's a wider version of success than a lot of times our culture wants to focus on. Cause it's kind of like education and money is success and nothing else is. And I think there are a lot of other things that help make people very successful. that have nothing to do with, with money influence or celebrity or fame. But I think it's it, it's huge that no matter what you do or where you do it, you're the same all the time. It's just whether or not you have on a suit or not. Right. And whether I can cuss or not. And <laughs> I, I try <laughs> to be the same because it's just me. Whether I'm doing a deal with a high-level executive and he or she makes me mad and I let him have it or... I see a young person in the office and I try to encourage them. Hey, if here's my number. If you need something, talk to me or you need to talk about your next move, call me. Mm-hmm. And I give people my real cell phone number. So you have to be your authentic self because you don't, there's only one you. There's no, read, there's no need to puff, do puffery and mm-hmm. braggadocious stuff. You just be yourself and and learn what makes you happy, which you and I've talked about that mm-hmm. um, before this. Figure out what makes you happy and can make you a little bit of money. That's that's some success right there. That's beautiful. But I think something else that I think is a huge lesson in not just who you are as a person, but how you move, is that you use your influence for good. And I think that's huge in a world where with social media, there are a lot of people with influence. There's a huge chunk of people with influence that I'm not sure what they really have to add or if they have expertise for anything other than posting on social media. There are some people that are influencers that actually do have expertise or knowledge in something. But, you know, there's become this culture of influence, but people aren't necessarily influencing people in a way that's going to make their life better. We've also seen that even in the wonderful world of COVID, where people are using their influence in ways that's actually causing people to die. Because they're influencing mm-hmm. them to not wear masks, to not take precautions, to not get vaccines. And they're not necessarily using their influence for something positive. But I want to say I really appreciate the fact that you have a significant amount of influence and you wield that influence thoughtfully and with a caring mind. So I want to say I appreciate it. And I and I appreciate that. Uh, I, I've it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think about my TV days of CNN, mm-hmm. MSNBC, and Fox, and I look at the Candace Owens of the world. I was offered the Candace Owens role. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've discussed this, but I was offered that. Sean Hannity. I used to be on this show all the time. And I'm like, I can't say that craziness. I have a mm. whole company that I run. People believe me, and I can't say that foolishness. But I was offered that role. And mm. that goes back to money isn't everything. 
whereas you're a nice looking guy, you're smart and you're relatable and we need spokespeople for this movement. Like, heck no. And that's why it's important for people to make a decision before you get the influence, what you're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. Because that, that level of influence and power and the perceived power can corrupt people because they see dollar signs and there's nothing good that goes along with it. And just because you it makes money does not mean it's the best thing for you. You have to make that decision on what's on the inside and can you live with yourself if you say or do something five years from now? And regardless of where you are, where you go or what you do, make sure that what you say, what you write, what you publish, you won't be ashamed of it five or 10 years from now. That was a word. I drop a mic, but that would jack up the sound. And I'm not going to do it to y'all's ears by mic dropping in your ears. That would be whack. <sighs> and my last question before we start shifting into the wonderful world of the speed round is you're a business owner. You're an accomplished attorney. You know, you have done media, you've done so many things, but I know something that's really huge for you is being a family man. And it's not simply just being a decent husband and dad, that your family has always been important to you, including your mom, your dad, just family in general. How do you manage? Because I know a lot of people are struggling with managing capacity, especially in the time of, of COVID and, and racial drama. How do you manage being able to still be so successful or productive with not only filling your own personal, emotional, and mental cup, but also being present for your family? I set up my businesses to kind of run themselves where I did not have to, I don't have to be as hands-on with my businesses mm -hmm. because I put people in great positions and I pay them extremely well to do certain things. And it allows me free time. It allows me time to, not necessarily free, time to do other things. For example, most lawyers only have a law firm. They can't do anything mm -hmm. else. Many real estate developers can't do anything else, but I have these separate businesses kind of, kind of overlap with some of my offices, but I put people in positions and I pay them well so that I can have time to manage instead of do. And I've been very fortunate to have that for several years. And when I was living in New York, for example, mm -hmm. I was a couple thousand miles away. I'm still mad I didn't make it to Brooklyn when you were living there. I just need to put that in there. I was actually thinking that earlier, but you just made me think yeah. of it. So keep going. I'm sorry to mean to interrupt. You, you miss. You missed a great time. We, I, I was in Brooklyn for four, four and a half years, and I was running a business from there. And that really taught me the ability to run a business and not have to physically be there. And that allowed me, when I, when I really seriously started dating my now wife, I realized, man, I really, I really want to be present. I've always said that when I had children mm -hmm. or if I had children. I really want to be present. And I knew that no matter what, whether it's COVID or not, 
I was going to be very, very present in my children's lives. I want to make sure that I spend daytime hours with them during the week. With COVID, I'm here all the time. <laughs> I, I work at home. I, I come up to my office. I have an office on, on in our upstairs, and I go to work. Dad is going to work. I'm like, bye. And my baby waves to me, bye. And I go to work. But I'm present with her and present for my wife because we have to, the tough spot, back to your really original question, the tough spot is you have to carve out and make those blocks of time to get quality time with your spouse or your family. You have to, because you only get one shot at this life. And one day they're going to be gone. Your parents, uh, well, hopefully your spouse ain't gone till for a very long time. Your children grow up, but you have to carve out the time. For example, when I was coming up, my mom, dad, and I always ate dinner together every single night. That is something I vowed to do with my family. We always eat dinner together. Not necessarily breakfast, but dinner for sure. We put our phones up. Don't put the phones away. We eat dinner and we talk. And that has been one of my goals. And we're finally doing that now. Um, so you have to make the time and make the commitment to do the time. And make sure that the person's on the same page with you with what you're trying to do. So this is a great place for us to take a quick pause for the cause. So we're going to have to take a quick break for a break for our sponsors, but then we'll be back and we'll be back with the speed round. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Better with Dr. Erica. I think that's a great place to move into these speed round questions because otherwise round. I'll have I'll have the people here forever. It just means at some point you just have to come back. I, I, I'm ready. Let me know when. All right. So first speed round question. What is the best lesson you've learned from your mom? To love and protect my spouse. Oh, I love that one. Yep. Uh, can, can love, and, you? love and protect your spouse no matter what. And sometimes it's from your family. <laughs> I, I feel like we need you and your mom to go on the road with all these single dudes that my friends and I have been meeting. It, it, it's, it, ooh, ooh. Did I say that out loud? Yeah. It, it, well, what's the issue with the single dudes? Like, what what part of it? Let's start there. Um, I think on 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 one end, and this isn't every single guy, so I'm not male bashing here. But there are a lot of men I've met have not necessarily been intentional about spending time or of being consistent. So it ends up being one of those things where. They may say, let's get together on such and such, or let's do such and such, and then they don't. Or I'm a call, then they don't. Or the last minute, what you doing? You know, or or the or the I'm just gonna invite myself to your house in the middle of a pandemic. 
it's <laughs> like no, nah, bro. They do that. I can't make this up, and I, I think it's this this space of of meeting someone that val- values you as a human being, but also values your time. Um, that's and a, that's a whole different podcast. And and lives and lives in a space that what they say their values are is how they actually live. Cause that, that's the thing I've run up upon. It's not, I've met people and their value system seems super janky. It's just, they'll say, they'll say, or they'll describe their values as one thing, but then what they prioritize or how they live is not aligned with what they presented as their value system. Well, they present their representative, you know, and well, they, and one of the one of the kind of s- systemic issues that we have is guys are not encouraged to date to marry and that has been one of our issues in our culture mm-hmm. unfortunately we we haven't been encouraged to date to marry and that's why it's important when guys are in that space of looking to for a mate to have friends who are similarly situated and looking or already have that thing so that they can pour into them about what it really takes. Like, for example, my friends, all of my really close guy friends either are either in very, very serious relationships or married. So we talk a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk a lot and it's confidential talks and encouraging talks. And, and I realize how similarly, similar our relationships and, and our, our, our relationships are or how similar our marriages are. And when you have people around you who are similarly situated, it's much easier to move in that space. But if you have everyone around you who's bacheloring, it's much more difficult to get it together. Well, and I, I feel like there's always these complicated things of sometimes I feel like there there are people that would actually be able to respect and treat each other well, but they're not always meeting each other. The pandemic has probably met made meeting people a little bit more complicated. And, and I think there are times where because people feel like you have to show up a certain way, they're not able to always be honest about what they're actually looking for, or what their intentions are. And, you know, I think there's, there's nothing wrong if you don't want to actually really date, you just want to kick it or you're looking for a little something, something. I, I think it's just getting to a point of adulting where everyone can be honest about what their intentions are, because most likely you can still meet someone that has aligned intentions, mm-hmm. but that way you're kind of st- staying in the pond where your fish are. Right. And you don't have to lie. What is it? You ain't got a lot of kick it, Craig. You just have <laughs> to be honest because like you said, you can find someone who wants the same thing as you, but don't waste their time telling a lie that you may have still been able to do what you wanted to do if you were honest with them. Or just find someone who's looking for the same thing. It's not very difficult. And I think the other thing I'm laughing, these speed round questions have turned into a whole nother section. I know. It is, 
is back to that theory or the concept of authenticity is, is that if people are honest about who they are and are also willing to do the work on themselves, because sometimes I feel like it's not that folks are, are lying or men are lying. It's this is what they think they this is where they think they are. This is what they think they want. But I think for men and women or non-binary people, because, you know, my my friends, I have some friends that are um, are gay and everyone's dealing with the same stuff. It's just a question. You just swap the genders out. My right. my good friend that's a lesbian, she has the same dating issues I have. It's just with women doing it, not dudes. Yeah. Is is that we all have to be willing to do the work on ourselves. And if we do that work on ourselves, it puts us in a better place to not only find a mate, but to be a good mate when we find someone that is actually aligned. And I, I think if I had to say one message out there to all the dudes is be willing to do the work on yourself. Because I also know some guys that are like, I really want to be married, but then you, you I, I'm not analyzing them as a psychiatrist, but I just happen to be one. It's like, it's like you probably need to get some of your, as, as the young people say, your mentals together. <laughs> and it's true because if you, if you don't have yourself together, you, you are no good to anyone else. And a lot of people miss that point. You're no good if, if your mindset is not right. You're no good if you're still dealing with pain. You're no good if you're still broken from that last relationship. You're no good to that next relationship. So you have to get yourself together first before you move into another space. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll make it to the next question. I feel like this particular episode speed round is not so speed round. Not, I know. We, but but I, love right I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. What is one piece of advice you'd like to give to your younger self? <laughs> Don't marry that girl. Uh, um, I was married before. I mean, straight up, I was married before. It was a waste of my five years, and it was a it was a waste of my five years, and I should not have married her. That's one piece of advice. Woo, that was quick, wasn't it? Yes, uh, um, but hey, but sometimes that, sometimes it is that simple. That goes back to what we just discussed. Sometimes people do things because it's not authentic. It was like it was one of those situations where you're 30 years old, you need to go and get married for my family, right? You need to go and get married. You're 30 years old, you need to go and settle down. Okay, I guess I do. And I settled down with the wrong person. It was a disaster. And when I talk to guys about going to the next level with whomever they're dating, that's one of the things I talk about. Why do you why are you interested in her for marriage? Is it you? Is it family pressure? Is it society pressure? Because society pressures people to do things all the time. And then it turns out to be a disaster. So if you're not ready to do it, don't do it. If you're not ready to get married, definitely don't do it. If this person is not the right person for you, leave. Don't marry that person. Because if you get into that relationship and it's the wrong person, it's it's going to sink like the Titanic. And that's what I did. That's one piece of advice. Oh, why do I have this vision 
of you being Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio sinking into the ocean <sighs> abyss because Rose won't let you share the raft. Yeah. Why do I? I just, I just, I'm sorry. Now I've got all that stuff. I got Celine Dion in my head. It's, it's a mess. That's why we're going to yeah. move to another question so I can you get Celine on. Dion out of my head. Um, what my is it? go on. I know. That song, that song still, still gets me. It's just, whoever wrote it and her performance of it. It, yeah. it, that song is just this one of them songs. You just get all emotional. So away from all of the, the feels and the emotions, what is a favorite gift to yourself? Ooh, favorite gift? Mm-hmm. Gift. It doesn't have to even be anything big. It could be big, small. You're open to interpret it. These, these golf clubs I just bought, whew, they're hot. Ooh. Um, my favorite, favorite I don't buy myself a lot probably my golf club. I mean that's that's reasonable. Golf clubs yeah. are reasonable. Yeah. That's I'm I love sure golf. They, I'm sure they were fitted. I'm not I'm sure they were nice golf clubs. They they are. I mean they're on fire. Yeah. You probably have like kung fu grip. <laughs> I, I mean I, I got them sized and they're perfect for me and got ordered them special order. They finally came four weeks ago and that's why they're fresh in my mind because I play golf at a at the club five minutes from my house. So it makes it very convenient. And I try to play two or three days a week. Sweet. Um, yeah. We'll see if this is the answer to the next question. You have a day off. What are you looking forward to doing? Uh, a day off. Sitting at our pool with my daughter and my wife. Uh, that's what I would look forward to doing. But my, but my wife is pregnant and it's Alabama and it's hot. So we don't, get outside a whole mm-hmm. lot because it's just it's hot. hot it's hot so yeah that's what i would look forward to doing but i just try to keep her in the cool so she can stay cool uh, yeah I've, I've heard rumors my mother was pregnant in the summer it's rough i still it's hear rough. stories believer anchor buy her that brunch that she wants because it's, it's rough oh she reminds me of how long she was in labor and yeah, yeah, she reminds me of all of it. I, I get told and reminded about the hemorrhoids that are my fault. I get told about all of it. She reminds yeah. me on the regular. Oh, Everything yeah. that is my fault. Then she'll say how much she loves me, but she reminds me about all well, of the things I you, did. That wouldn't happen. I know. I'm like, I'm sorry. My bad. I didn't know. I didn't know I was going to do that to you. Yeah. So what is one thing you do if someone disrespects you or underestimates you? If they underestimate me, I beat them. I beat them. I do that in real estate deals all the time. I have people who underestimate me because they may not be familiar with me or I'm moving in a white male dominated space. And the way that I handle real estate and law, actually, I really prepare for every single thing that I do. I overly prepare the way I mm-hmm. prepare my real estate deals. I, if I'm buying a building, I know the history of everybody who's involved, like mm-hmm. everything about them. <laughs> uh, I know the history about the property. Then I know how I'm going to offer it. I think I mentioned earlier about me uh, working with a civil engineer on some deals 
and I'm a pro at acquisition of properties. So I like to just beat people. On the legal side, I just love beating up on the insurance companies because they underestimate me that I'm have, I have a medium-sized firm and we just take them to task. And I don't mind spending money to get the experts that we need or get the depositions and other things that we need to, to beat, beat their brains out. That was so calm. <laughs> but as, as they see in the memes, it's choosing violence, but so calmly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so calmly, just so calm. So given that you are so fabulous, where can people find you if they want a little bit more Eric Guster? My Twitter handle is at Eric Guster, E-R-I-C-G-U-S-T-E-R. Um, Facebook, Eric L. Welch Guster is my name on Facebook. I have a little verified check thing. Instagram at Eric Guster, E-R-I-C-G-U-S-T-E-R. And my law firm is GusterLawFirm.com. Again, G-U-S-T-E-R, LawFirm.com. Oh, wow. One thing people will know how to spell your name. They, you got to spell it. I know. I'm Augusta, Augustus. I've been mean, a lot of stuff, but long as long as you write the check, my bank will. If you write if you write a payment wrong, they'll still take it. They I, know you. They know what you meant. I am not mad. Uh, so again, I just want to say thank you. I'm going to say thank you to all of you listeners for taking some time and trusting us enough to put us on your schedule and put us in your ears. So I just have to say I'm extremely grateful. Thank you for supporting this podcast. It means the world to me. But a final thought, it's kind of along the same line, which is it's important to be intentional with your life that happy accidents happen, but they're usually not life-changing, consistent events. So it's so important to be intentional and thoughtful about all areas of your life including your relationships and making sure that you carve out time to foster and nurture healthy relationships that have helped pour back into you. Because I know you show up for work, you show up for your family, and you also need to show up for yourself. And when you show up for yourself, that allows you to show up for everyone else better. So I want to make sure that you're intentional about carving that time out for yourself along with your loved ones. So that's what I have for you today. I am just so blessed to have you here. I look forward for you to listen the next time. So, you know, you can always go to your favorite podcast platform and listen to past episodes while you're waiting for the next one to drop. As you know, my episodes come out every Tuesday morning, so there's always something new for you. If you like what you heard, do me a favor, click follow or subscribe. That way you'll get notifications and know when all the new stuff comes up. And also, if you like it, if you could leave a rating or review, I'd appreciate it. That helps us be able to put more good content out for you. And, and that's my goal. I'm just here to help you be better, do better, and live better because you know what? You deserve to have that life that you were created for. And I'm here to help you get it. So thanks again for coming. You know how to find me. And until next time, have a better day. Thanks for listening. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, 
tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica.